0: Hello, I'm Tara Lyons, and welcome to this episode of the Pump Court Family Law podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jesse Cook of Pump Court Chambers. Jesse practices in family and employment law, where he's known for having a special talent at being able to put clients at complete ease in the most stressful of situations, In addition to his practice, he's also a social mobility advocate for the Bar Council's I Am Bar campaign, which is aimed at encouraging those with non-traditional backgrounds to pursue their ambitions at the bar. Jesse's route to the bar was far from easy. He is of Caribbean heritage and grew up in a single parent family in some of the most socially disadvantaged and deprived parts of South London. And whilst many of Jesse's friends from school uh, and and generally took a completely different path, Jesse overcame a number of obstacles, including prejudice, to succeed in becoming the successful barrister he is today. His story is inspiring, and I'm delighted that he can join me today to tell us about it. Jesse, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Tara. Um, Jesse, I gave a little introduction then about about your your background, but but can you tell us a little bit <clears> more about um, your background and your journey to becoming a barrister?
1: Yes, yeah, so as as you said, I'm I'm of Caribbean heritage, and um, I grew up in a single parent home in South London, where it was uh, kind of non-traditional in the sense that everybody around me, so my aunties uh, also played a, a huge role in my upbringing and I was raised alongside my cousins. So it, it didn't really feel like it was just me and my mum You know, had so many uh, other good good women, especially around me. Uh, so yes, I mean, like a lot of young lads um, who were growing up in South London, I, I wanted to be a football player, but I established from a, a very early age, if I wasn't you know, to be playing in the Premier League every week, I wanted to be a barrister. And um, one of the main motivations uh, for that was uh, when I was young, so around 13, 14, and you become a lot more aware of your surroundings and where you're growing up and the injustices that are occurring, um, I decided that I wanted to do something that would help to make a a difference. And that's when I I started to take a real interest in you know, English law, uh, the the legal system, um, different types of the legal system, how it functions. And I decided that I wanted uh, to do something that could really give back to my community and and not just my community, a uh, different communities and and help sort of in, in in the process of justice. So from yeah, as I said, 13, 14 years old, I, I said I, I wanted to pursue my my career as a, a a barrister.
0: Quite a change from um the footballer. Um but but having decided that actually you wanted to to pursue uh, a life at the bar what steps did you take at that age um, to make that dream come a reality?
1: Well, it's funny because at, at that age, I wasn't taking any steps at all, to be completely honest. But I knew that I wanted to, you know, at 14, I thought I could still, you know, uh, you know, be a footballer or something like that. And then when I realised that wasn't going to happen at 16, 17, I started to take steps towards it. So I was doing, you know, after my GCSEs, A-levels, which I thought would would be helpful uh, to pursuing career um, in at the bar, maybe starting with a law degree, obviously and then as I sort of grew, I didn't really know that much about it because I didn't have anyone around me who was a barrister um, I didn't know any, any barristers personally, um, we didn't have any friendly friends who are, I don't even think solicitors uh, or, or barristers or, or judges at the time, so I was sort of just navigating my own way a, around it and there were, you know, some off-putting moments on my way to that journey and, and pursuing that goal and even from you know, people that I knew locally because nobody seemed to think it was something that was achievable coming from where I was coming from or from where we're from. So um, I remember clearly being told by, you know, people, I don't think it, it was ill-intentioned, but, you know, people don't know what they don't know at the end of the day. And, um, you know, people even, as I say, from my community and other people sort of poured a little cold water at times on on those goals. But I think it was more out of ignorance and, and not understanding that we can actually other things other than just be footballers or musicians or actors and that being a a bar is actually a tangible goal.
0: Well, I I think I've read somewhere that um, you were told that black boys from the ends don't make barristers. I mean, how did that feel to you um, when uh, people said that to you?
1: Well, at first you you do question it because as I said, you, you think, well, why not? And that was my initial reaction um I, I didn't understand why I was been told by by somebody um especially it was a someone who wasn't he was about five or six years older than me at the time mm. um, and he obviously wasn't doing with the greatest of respect much with his life and again it's not something I blame him for he is probably you know been from where we're from it just doesn't seem achievable so when he said that he was he wasn't even saying it to put me down, I don't think. He was more saying it like, listen, you just need a, a reality check, little man. It's not that easy. Um, you know, you're we're not from the right area. You're not from the right background. You're not from uh, the higher echelons of society. And maybe you should just think about doing something else so you're not disappointed. I think it was more for Matt and the and oh, than just, I just don't do it. And again, I think that stems from uh, not being able to see a way to a profession like that himself, maybe where he's thinking it's not achievable for for those similar backgrounds of himself. But to be honest, after that, it just made me really want to pursue it even more and and prove people wrong and say, actually, well, maybe it's not the normal thing, but I'm going to show you, I'm going to show my family, the rest of the community, um, people who've doubted me, um, that actually this is very much achievable and I'm going to make people proud and I'm going to do it.
0: And how did you um, go about finding out more about the bar, given as you've said, you know, you you didn't have any um, friends that were lawyers or family friends that were were lawyers. And I think it's right, isn't it, that you you were the first member of your immediate family to have um, gone to university. So even pursuing um, tertiary education, how did you kind of approach approach that and and find your way
1: well it was it was put it this way it was sort of not trial and error that's not the the right thing but I was learning as I I went along basically and as I said I had a fantastic family um you know who who would always support me but again you only know what you know type of thing so having had nobody really who'd done it before, it was, and especially, you know, no one who'd gone on to study law. My granddad studied law in Jamaica. And then when he came mm. over to this country, uh, they basically disregarded his his qualifications because, um, you know, he, uh, in Jamaica, it was very hard um, at the time to, to do what my granddad had achieved. But when he came to the UK, he was part of a Windrush generation, he ended up driving the bus, um, you know, because he had a young family and was trying to make ends meet. And he never got to mm. really achieve his goal of you know, being a lawyer and pursuing it as a profession. So mm. as I went through, um, it was more a case of learning as you go. So I, I did A-levels, as I said, which I thought, you know, English, history, uh, f- philosophy, um, you know, a- A-level A AS and things that I thought would help me. And then after that was obviously with a goal to go into uni. Um, but even along the way in, you know, my my years ending school, going into college, I had a really tough time personally there was a lot going on mm. um, with me at that time um a lot of hurdles to overcome um there was a mm. lot of, of sadness and tragedy at that time and, and fear but I still had to just you know stay in my own lane and try to stay focused although there were a lot of bumps in the road and then
0: mm.
1: I, I got through um that think, thankfully and I went to university but again one of the, the hurdles that I later realized was you know uh, coming from where we, I, I was coming from I just thought university was university so mm. I just thought yeah, go to uni get a degree when you're suddenly in it at 18 years old you think actually no it's not <laughs> university it not just university there was obviously the the the, the pre- not prejudice I wouldn't say but the, the snootiness that came with our perhaps going to a former polytechnic and not going to you know maybe a Russell Group uni and mm-hmm. it's something that I had to be really focused on and say okay whatever uni I go to when I sort of learned um you know that uni wasn't just uni but for me and what i was going through at the, that time going to uni full stop was a big achievement um mm. you know people, my family would know that people who know me would know that so i just said okay one step at a time and i, I went to uni and i did well at uni and then after that uh, i went and did the bar straight away
0: and how um because uh, you know following university the the bar course itself is um it's a, another year of studying isn't it and it's an additional cost um yeah. what, did that present a, a hurdle for you and if so how did you how did you seek to overcome that
1: yeah it, it did present a, a hurdle and, and again that's something else that affects people from you know similar backgrounds to myself where you're not necessarily coming from a background of big money. And like I say, don't get me wrong, we weren't poor and I'm very grateful for the upbringing I had. It was, you know, I had a fantastic childhood, like I say, due to the family I had around me, but there wasn't just 16,000 pounds plus all the associated costs and the books and the, the accommodation yeah. that I needed to just go and say, yep, here you go, you know, son or, or nephew there, you, you know, go and study to become a barrister. So um, the INS obviously run a scheme uh, to try and get uh, scholarships uh, for people from from backgrounds where they necessarily haven't got the money to pursue it, a, a career at the bar. But as I said, at that time, um, I actually had I'd started my application. I was fully intending to, to to launch my application. And there was more personal distractions and tragedy in my life at that time. And I completely missed the deadline. Um, there was a mm. bereavement of my family, uh, someone very, very close to me. And I, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And I tried to contact the inn, but they made it clear that the deadline was the deadline because of yeah. the volume of applications they have. And, you know, I can't hold that against them. But then I continued to pursue other methods of funding. And mm-hmm. nobody was doing, um, you know, any loans or anything at that time. And thankfully, I was still really pursuing it. And I found out that I could get a professional studies loan. And that was from, you know, one of the high street lenders at the time. But the interest right. was quite high. And I'd have to start paying it back within months of. Finishing the bar course without even having a job or or anything, knowing what the future held. Yeah. So I did that, and that's how I funded it in the end.
0: So taking taking quite a risk um, at that point, given what we know about how difficult it is to to get pupillage, and then how difficult it is to to obtain tenancy. Yeah, but that but didn't it was a, put you off.
1: No, it was a a big risk. Um, like I said, I had to. I was twenty two years old when I was called to the bar. And from that age, I had to start repaying. It was, I think, just under £500 a month. Um, you know, so almost almost double what I'd borrowed. And um, I had to pay back for a period of five years. And again, it's a risk because, you know, great, you can assume you'll get a job when you can, you know, assume you're going to be in a position to pay it back. But even when I got my first job, that was still almost half of what I was taking home at the time. <laughs>
0: mm.
1: um, so it was just a case of, trying to stay focused, trying to stay positive and just making sure that I was always working and I was working really hard to be able to, to service that uh, financial obligation.
0: I mean, we've spoken about some of the hurdles that, that you had to overcome, but but just turning things on its head slightly and looking at the more kind of positive aspects, you know, what, what support and encouragement did you receive along the way, um, which others who might um, be interested in pursuing uh, a life at the bar might, might be able to, to gain some uh, encouragement from?
1: I think one of the, the big turning points uh, for me was when I was undertaking the bar and we had a, a mentor scheme. And at first I thought, mm. no, I don't really want to, you know, get a mentor. I just want to sort of do my own thing. I'm quite a private person. I don't really know anyone in this world I would just sort of press on and, and see where it takes me. But then I, I was encouraged to, to sign up for it. And I, I was assigned a, a mentor who was a, a QC, um, is a mm-hmm. QC, called Stan, Sam Steen. And I think that really changed things for me because he gave me a completely different outlook in how much he actually tried to help me. Um, it yeah. wasn't just, you know, a mentor who's sort of, you know, you have an on-phone call with, he was actually actively involved in, firstly, finding about me, finding out about me, my background, uh, what my motivations were and sort of putting a plan in action to help me gain some really valuable experience and, amazing yeah and, and you know I think you know if you speak to Sam he'll just say you'll really downplay his role um, but mm. the reality is I think he gave me the belief at that time that actually this is something I could do and, and what he, he did for me I'll always be, be be grateful for but I think even more importantly why I was so grateful for what Sam did uh, like I said, especially someone who was a QC and you think, oh, wow, you know, the, the pinnacle fair profession is mm. on my way to the bar, I had some prejudices or I, I don't even know if I, I call it prejudice. I don't want to, you know, just say, okay, it's racism, but mm. there was some ignorance where I'd experienced at the hands of other senior barristers before. And, you know, I think Sam helped Me. to really reverse uh, what perhaps my perception was of, uh, you know, perhaps a middle-class, middle-aged uh, white male who's a QC in the profession.
0: Can you give an example of of that sort of um, prejudice or ignorance?
1: Yeah. So, so one example, and I, you know, I don't want to just go into like you know saying oh, you know this and complaining. But one example was uh, when I was at a, a residential weekend. Um, as you you'll know, Tara, you know we're we're, we're trying to uh, get qualified and we're doing the bar, and um, there was a performance from some of the, the trainers at the residential weekend there were some silks involved and they were all acting really silly, you know, having a good time showing us that actually, you know, although it's a very serious profession, we can still have a good time. And later I was at the bar, uh, not, not, the, not the bar as in the profession, but at the bar. Yeah. At the hotel. We were
0: staying <laughs> the
1: actual at. bar. Yeah. Yeah. The actual bar having a drink with a, a, a friend of mine from the, the PPTC. And uh, we were joined by someone who was a, a silk at the time um, or, or was a silk. And he was asking us, you know, made very friendly conversation, and he was saying, oh, how did you enjoy that? And I said, yeah, it was great. It was a really interesting show because other people were, were showing their talents. Like there was someone playing the violin, someone playing the flute and things like that. And he said, oh, it's a shame that you didn't um, do something. I thought you would have done a rap or something.
0: Oh, <laughs> goodness.
1: And at the time, um, I just sort of laughed it off. But my friend who yeah. I was with, and he's you know, a, a very nice guy and has a real strong sense of justice and he's very middle-class, middle-class white male, um, you know, were both yeah. doctors. He was outraged. He was absolutely incensed and he couldn't believe that. He just said to me, I was one of, I was, if not the only black male there, I was one of very few mm. and he was so upset and he said, no, that is outrageous. Why should he ask you that you should have done a rap? Um, you know, we yeah. should take this further. We should, you know, report that. And I, I said, no, we're not going to, do any of you know, before I'm even let into the bar, if you like, or called to the bar or let into the establishment, as if, if that's what you want to call it. I just thought it would have, you know, you know uh,
0: yeah,
1: detrimental effect on my prospects, basically.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, and so almost kind of resigned to just let that sort of thing slide because, yeah. you know, you're worried about your position already.
1: Yeah, well, well, exactly. And it's not just that. I mean, at the time, like I said, where I'm from, it's not the done thing. You don't just go and tell tell someone does something you don't like. You yeah. don't just run to the authorities, That's sort of how yeah. it's almost like an unwritten code. And yeah. it was, I think it only really started to affect me later when I, I thought, you know, when you're getting close to getting pupillages and you're having interviews and you you're getting rejection after rejection, I remember yeah. thinking back to that moment and thinking, well, you know what? Maybe he's right. Maybe, you know, that's just how I'm seen, a, a young black lad who yeah. maybe just couldn't be a rapper or, you know, someone yeah. who maybe may don't take me seriously because of maybe yeah. the or, or my appearance. And, um, yeah. you know, it, it was something that I had to sort of put to the back of my mind mentally and continue to pursue it. And, and yeah. that's when I say Sam Seen helped me realize that not everybody saw me as someone who should just get up on stage and do a rap perhaps because I'm black. I'm that- that.
0: And just speaking about Sam, just just so others can find their own Sams in life, what, at what stage were you when you were assigned Sam as your mentor? And how would others who are looking for a similar um, sort of setup with a mentor to help them, how would they go about um, finding one?
1: So I was. Uh, doing the, the BPTC, so I was actually yeah. on, undertaking the course at the time and it it was set up through the INS, uh, so I'm within a temple, it was set up through their uh, mentoring scheme at the time and I know all of the Inns. I think now have their mentoring scheme so you can often reach out and, and inquire if you do want to be assigned a mentor. Several different chambers have mentoring schemes, not just for their own uh, internal uh, members but for also people uh, trying to pursue a career at the bar and there's... There's schemes and organisations such as, you know, the Black Barristers Network, um, the Black Lawyers yeah. Association that also do, uh, you know, schemes for mentors. And it's not just for, for black people. You can, you know, it can be for, for Asian uh, people, for, for, for white people from underprivileged backgrounds or people who just want to mentor uh, generally in some some perhaps a little company. Because, as you know, Tara, the bar can be a very lonely profession.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And just having that support from different areas, and you know, we've all got amazing support within chambers. And uh, but but it's also nice, isn't it, to to have um, additional support from mentors, um, perhaps old bar, bar school friends or, or contacts, um, just just to help us each through in difficult moments.
1: Definitely. Um, I, I'd certainly recommend it. And I think from, from my side, I was, I was reluctant because I'm, I'm a, a really, you know, private person. And, um, you know, having a mentor, I thought oh, I'm going to have to tell them about myself, and, you know, my background. I don't really want to let anybody in just in case they yeah. pull on my background or, or you know, uh, you know, where I'm coming from or they might not understand. So um, I sort of had to overcome that. But it was one of the best decisions I probably made
0: yeah and and now you're at the bar and you're practicing and you've got a really successful practice has life at the bar met your expectations
1: yes it has i mean it's a, a very challenging career um it's it's not one that's for the the faint hearted <laughs> um but it's met my expectations in that um i've learned so much about myself but also about people and um you know life is precious and I I feel a real privilege, you know, every time I'm in in court, I'm on a case and I'm representing my clients to be able to assist people in their quest for justice. So although my motivations, I I guess, have have slightly changed at first, for instance, um, when I was growing up, where I was growing up, you know, I was uh, at times um, unfairly uh, hounded by the police, just, you know, walking in my area, um, stopped and searched, uh, accused of criminal offences that I knew nothing about, other people yeah. I knew were dealt with by the police, and um, you know, even the housing associations in a really unjust, unfair way. Mm. And that was my initial motivation. But I learned that you can mm. help people in other ways. So now, for instance, when I'm I'm doing a divorce, and I'm I'm helping a, a husband or a wife to achieve, you know, a fair outcome, or I'm I'm doing a children that matter, and you know, there's someone who hasn't seen their child for over a year, uh, perhaps, yeah. and I'm, I'm helping a father or a mother uh, to be. Yeah. Uh, you know reconnected with their their family it's it's really really rewarding.
0: Spoken about some of the the hurdles and the prejudices that that you've encountered but um, presumably uh, uh, now you're at the bar um, you uh, haven't been put off by them what would you say to others who are who might listen to your story and think oh actually that that doesn't sound great should they be put off
1: no they shouldn't be and and one of the you know we all have certain mantras in life that we we live by and uh, you know one of mine is always you know about your mentality and having the mentality and and developing the mental strength to overcome hurdles and barriers and not to to almost block out the noise and not believe or, or be put off by what other people may think about you or what they say about you. And if it's something that you really want and you've got a a, a passion or a desire, you know. And I don't just mean oh, a desire; like you really want it. I mean you really want it. Then do not let anybody uh, stand in the way of that, and be absolutely fearless and relentless in your pursuit of achieve it in your, um, you know, pursuit of achieving that. And I think that's where. Sorry.
0: Well, I was I was going to say that that was leading on to my next question, which was was going to be, what advice would you give someone, um, perhaps from a non traditional background, who is seeking to to make their way at the bar? It sounds like you would say, you know, you, you've got to work hard and have an have a positive mentality,
1: a mentality
0: to, to, to make it.
1: Precisely and and that's exactly it you know hard work you can't just decide one day you know I just want to be a barrister and put no work in and then feel sorry for yourself when it doesn't happen you've got to be prepared to make sacrifices and that sacrifices in terms of your your time um, sacrifices obviously in terms of your studies sacrifices and even maybe some friendships that you may have you know when when I, I was growing up some of the closest friends that I had Um, went a completely different route to me. And I had to, you know, from a very early age, 13, 14, make changes even in terms of friendship circles, not because they were bad uh, people or bad children, but I I decided that I need to make sure that I live a completely clean lifestyle so that when I am, you know, 20, 21, 22, and I'm trying to pursue that goal, nothing from my past comes back to haunt me. Mm. And that's when I, I, you know, suddenly went from, Someone who was always, um, you know, if I wanted to go to Croydon, for instance, and, you know, buy a pair of trainers or, or go to Brixton High Street and buy a tracksuit, I would always have people to go with, uh, friends from my mm. local community, people I, I knew. Suddenly, uh, you know, I was finding myself going on my own really early in the morning just to avoid trouble, <laughs> you know, and, oh. and that's what I mean. It's it's a mentality where you've got to be prepared. Uh, yeah,
0: to make sacrifices.
1: And do, to make, and do something that others aren't prepared to do.
0: Aren't yeah and Jesse, obviously through your work as a social mobility advocate, you're sort of at, 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 at the um, front of um, seeing n- new barristers or potential barristers um, who are looking at the looking at pursuing careers at the bar. Do you think or could you tell them that um, the bar has changed since you've joined, particularly in Um, terms of uh, embracing those from non-traditional backgrounds?
1: I think it's moving in the right direction and there is a a real spotlight on it at the moment you know with especially with for instance even you know the whole Black Lives Matter movement and um, you know more racism and and prejudice being called out Um, you know the the stories of of women um, who've been experienced prejudice at the bar Mm. and in professions so I think you know the the Bar Council and, and, you know, even the Law Society are making a real concerted effort to try and encourage uh, people from non-traditional backgrounds into into the profession. There is still a lot to do, but I'd like to think that those applying today are certainly in a better position than I was when I was doing the bar nine years ago than when I subsequently actually gained pupillage and tenancy four to five years ago. So it has changed. It's getting better, but there's still a lot of work to do.
0: Well, thank you, Jesse. Um, that has been a really interesting uh, discussion today. And thank you for sharing what, what have been some quite personal experiences and certainly provided really inspiring story for, for those to listen to. Um, next week, I will be joined by Oliver Pearson, who is going to be looking at the provisions of the uh, bill that's been proposed by Baroness Deitch and we're going to be looking at um, the the three main changes that have been proposed and and how uh, they would affect um, the current law on matrimonial finance. Um, Jesse, thank you so much.
1: An absolute pleasure, Tara. Thank you for having me.